Can you think of a moment in history that you would have loved to have been present in? Can you imagine being able to say, I was there for some of the most iconic moments in human history? Like imagine being able to say, I was there on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial on the day that Martin Luther King gave his I Have a Dream speech. Or what about being able to say, I was in the crowd when Diego Maradona scored his famous Hand of God goal against England in the World Cup Finals. I think for me, I would love to have been in Chicago Stadium on June the 14th, 1992 to see the Chicago Bulls win the second of their six NBA world titles. But maybe that's just me. You can even play this game with events from biblical times, can't you? Imagine what it would have been like to have been in the desert with the Israelites the first morning that God provided manna. Or perhaps being present for the story that we looked at last week in John's Gospel, the feeding of the 5,000. Imagine being one of the people fed by that miraculous provision of bread and fish. I wonder what that would taste like. Imagine being part of that and being able to say, I was there. Well, we're following on from that story this week. Today, we're going to be looking at John 6 from verses 22 through to the end of the chapter 71. And because we have a lot of verses today, what we're going to do is rather than read them all through in one go, we're just going to walk our way through the story and go through them bit by bit. So let's have a look at the first part of our story today. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite side of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they'd gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, how did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And so the background to our verses today follows on from three miracles from Jesus. The first we've just talked about is this feeding of the 5,000, the story of incredible provision and faith. The second is Jesus walking on water towards the disciples who are already out in the lake on the boat. And the third is the, what you might call the instant boat journey to the other side of Lake Galilee as soon as Jesus gets in the boat. What we discover from these, just these three encounters is that Jesus' ministry is now in full swing. And it feels like everybody wants a piece of him as a result. See, the, the, these were, the, the Jews that are asking him these questions are the people who ate the fish and bread at the 5,000 picnic. See, their questions are innocent enough. They, they ask him just sort of quietly, Rabbi, how did you get here? But Jesus perceptively calls them out. He calls out that they're looking for him, not because of him, not because they're trying to find Jesus, but because of what he can do for them. Jesus answers them quite perceptively again. He says, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. See, they've fallen for the trap of chasing material things. They've fallen for the trap of going after food and provision rather than encounter or relationship. 
You remember, as Andy Tuck so helpfully showed us a couple of weeks ago, miracles are the signs that point us to Jesus, not to the actions in and of themselves. Signs and wonders and miracles are wonderful in themselves, and we want to see more of them in our churches, don't we? But we don't want to be a people pursuing signs. We want to be a people pursuing Christ. And I think that this reaction to Jesus shows us that it is possible to see a miracle happen right in front of you and yet still miss the point. Which is why Jesus tells them to stop working for it, to stop chasing after food and, or bread that will spoil and will, you know, isn't going to give them any long-lasting value. Because, as Jesus says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Which is actually not really work at all, is it? It's a step of faith. But these men, these Jews, these people don't seem to actually get the point. And so Jesus, they actually keep on asking Jesus for more signs. And so let's have a look at what their reaction is to what Jesus says. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Well, sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to, to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you've seen me and you still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. You see, in response to these men and women looking for signs and wonders from Jesus, he begins an extraordinary conversation with them about bread. You see, we see in the verse 35, Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life. Now, this is the first, we, we, we see this in John's Gospel, it's the first of seven self-descriptions that Jesus gives. They call them the I am statements that Jesus makes about himself. And we're going to come to some of these other statements as we continue our way through John's Gospel in later weeks. But Jesus also refers to himself as the light of the world, the door, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way and the truth and the life and the vine. But here, the first time he makes one of these statements, he calls himself the bread of life. But why bread? Well, firstly, and perhaps most obviously, Jesus is making a direct connection to the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, which they have just witnessed the previous day. He starts to teach into it a little bit and unpack the, the reasons why a little bit, because he's trying to help them understand that it's not about the bread itself, but it's instead pointing towards the giver of the bread. When they ask him in verse 34, would sir always give us this bread, they're still focusing on their own bodily needs and they're still expecting Jesus to feed them. And we can be like that sometimes, can't we? We're focusing on what we need rather than what Jesus is trying to tell us. You see, the miracle 
of the, the provision of the feeding of the 5,000 provided temporary fulfillment. You eat, but you get hungry again, don't you? Jesus, on the other hand, being the true bread, gives eternal nourishment that never fades or passes away. Well, what do we know about bread? And I'm talking about this stuff, not the uh, 70s soft rock band, if you've heard of them. The first thing I think we learn is, is that bread is essential, isn't it? Bread is the, the everyday stuff of life. Bread is one of the oldest human-made foods. It's been a staple of nearly every diet in every world culture since the beginning of human history. It's cheap, easy, ubiquitous, and plays an important role not just for feeding purposes, but in ritual in both the religious and the secular parts of our culture. Most of us would eat bread daily, wouldn't we? We have phrases in our language like breaking bread or being the breadwinner, just to emphasize how tightly bread is integrated into our lives. And Jesus uses it here to show us what role the living God ought to play in our lives too. Because you, you see, I can ask you about a memorable meal that you ate, and you'll probably be able to tell me in exquisite detail how the meal tasted, how you felt at the time, what it meant to you, the people that were around you. You can probably remember lots of detail about that, that meal if I asked you to. I mean, I could tell you now about a steak that changed my life, and this is years ago, but that's another story. But typically, we can't remember the sandwich we had yesterday or last week or last month, can we? And I think that by comparing himself to bread, Jesus is saying he doesn't want to be a special, expensive, once-in-a-lifetime meal that we always remember fondly from the past but never return back to. He's saying that he wants to be your everyday, daily sustenance. You need to get him into you every single day. And when is bread best? It's when it's fresh, right? Stale bread is not very nice to eat at all, is it? It's best when it's fresh and consumed daily. And so it's interesting that the Jews make reference to the manna that was provided by, the, by God to the Israelites in the wilderness when they were wandering around. Because one of manna's defining characteristics is that anything that you didn't eat and left would spoil and go rotten the next day. You couldn't eat it. You were reliant on fresh daily provision from God every day. You couldn't keep it for, for yourself. The Israelites needed fresh provision from God on a daily basis. And let's face it, so do we. See, what I love about this comparison that Jesus makes is that it's not a metaphor. He's not saying, I'm like bread. He says, I am the bread of life. Which means that if you're not spending time with Jesus on a daily basis, you're already starving. You're already in desperate need of sustenance from him. You see, in their confusion and their misplaced desire, the Jews got confused and thought he was talking about actual bread. But he's not being obtuse here. Jesus is clearly telling us that we need him for our sustenance. Well, how do we do this? How do we move a bit beyond metaphor and, and into like kind of actual working out of what does this mean for us? Well, I think the very beginning of John's gospel actually gives us a clue. Right at the beginning, John's gospel tells us, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then later it says, the word became flesh and made its dwelling amongst us. How do we allow Jesus to be our sustenance? Well, consuming God's word, in other words, the Bible, is a great way to get your daily bread, isn't it? Whoever comes to me, Jesus says, will never go hungry. 
when you read the words of the Bible, when you allow scripture to penetrate your heart, it's, it's spending time with the living Jesus because we, the Bible tells us that the word is living and active, doesn't it? Which means that part of our daily relationship with God is, is by really getting stuck into God's word and letting it get deep into our stomachs almost, into our soul, letting it consume, letting, uh, consuming it and letting it change us. Being a follower of Jesus means being wholly dependent on him for everything you need in this life. It really is all about our relationship with him. So Jesus tells us that he is our daily bread. And how do the Jews respond? Well, I think we have to be honest and say, not very well. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, but is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? And the first thing they do is question Jesus' divinity. And they do it by basing it on his lineage. They relate the fact that because they know him and his parents as evidence somehow that he, they, he can't be who he says he is. And once again, they demonstrate that it's possible to witness the miraculous sign and still have it go completely over your head and miss the point entirely. Remember we said at the beginning, imagine what it would be like to be in the crowd when the feeding of the 5,000 happened. Imagine eating this miraculous bread and this, this fish that just seemed to miraculously appear and be given to everyone as it was being distributed. Well, these Jews who were saying this were there. They ate the bread. They ate the fish. They sat in the field with the 5,000 other people. They were there and present for this miracle. And yet somehow they still doubt that it actually happened and that Jesus is who he says he is. And I would probably argue that we live in perhaps a much more cynical age than they did, don't we? Which means it is very possible to see and hear evidence of miraculous healing and still be unconvinced. Which is why I think that why sons of sons signs and wonders are amazing. And I definitely want to see more of them as in our gatherings as we come together as the people of God. They're not the things that we're going after. We don't want to be a people that pursue signs and wonders, do we? We want to be a people that pursue Jesus. Miracles can sometimes be explained, but Jesus cannot be denied. You see, faced with the words of a man who calls himself God's only son and who claims that whoever puts their faith in him will have eternal life, there really is no room for doubt. You have to make a choice when confronted with Jesus. You either trust him or accept him at his word or you don't. But the good news is, is that in verse 40, 40, 44, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. It's not just that we need to take a step towards Jesus. It's that, but he, that he also runs towards us and draws us to himself. We don't make the, uh, the, our minds up about solely whether to follow God. Actually, he comes and draws himself close to us. And the miracles that we can see and witness in Jesus' name are a tangible sign of God's great love for us and the fact that he wants to call you even today. I really do feel that God is calling all of us to make a response to him one way or the other. So what happens next? Jesus goes on and perhaps in slightly strange language to foreshadow the depths of his love for us. Let's have a look at what he has to say now. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Well, now we're getting a little bit weird, aren't we? What exactly is Jesus trying to say? Is he trying to say that Christianity is some sort of vampiric cult? Well, no. Is he saying that there must be some ritual that we have to partake in in order to receive this gift of eternal life, which is apparently on offer to us? Again, no. But he is telling us and he's giving us a foretaste of exactly how that eternal life will be won for us by Jesus' own crucifixion and death on the cross for us and for the sins of the world. See, this bread of life which is being offered to us now will soon be broken in punishment. His blood, which is on offer to us now, will soon be vividly displayed as he is scourged and given as a sacrifice for us. See, this gift of life will cost Jesus his own and will be given willingly by him so that we might inherit sonship into the family of God. And nowhere is this picture more vividly displayed than in the Lord's Supper, or we call it communion. When Jesus takes communion with his disciples, we'll read about it later on in John's Gospel, he not only brings this picture of the bread of life to fulfillment, but he also gives us, his followers, a tangible way to express our faith and to take it in remembrance of what he has done. We're going to do that today. And, but I think the call is for us for, to make it a reminder once again that it's not about the communion itself. It's not about whether we eat the bread and drink the wine. But it's that doing these actions are a sign and a symbol that serve as an expression of our faith and our trust and our willingness to take Jesus on his words and to put our faith and hope in him as the true sustenance giver. Well, I think that you can imagine the shell shock on some of the disciples' face at this point, can't you, when he starts talking about eating flesh and drinking blood, right? Let's read their reaction now. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, well, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. And yet there are some of you who do not believe. The disciples are at least honest enough to admit that they find Jesus' words difficult. At least some of them are probably still thinking about, about literally and wondering if they need to eat his flesh and drink his blood in order to be saved. But either way, Jesus presents them and us with a choice. And it's a choice that demands a response. You see, our verses conclude, sadly, with some of the disciples walking away. At this point, com coming to the realisation that actually this isn't what they signed up for. This isn't for them. When Jesus asks the, his 12 disciples, the apostles, if they're going to do the same as some of the others and, and walk away, they stand firm. Simon Peter speaks for all of them when he defiantly answers, we've come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. But what of our response? Because Jesus offers us a choice too, doesn't he? And I think that his words here may resonate with some of us. There are some of you who still do not believe. Some of us 
won't be willing to commit to this and may ultimately walk away. And I think, in, in a way, that's okay to have an honest response to Jesus and say, I'm not sure if I believe him or trust him yet. I think it's okay for us to be honest with ourselves because this really is a moment for us to consider. We're going to take communion a little bit later on as part of our service. And I think this is an opportunity for us to decide, are we in or are we out? And I think that if you're not sure whether you want to put your faith and your trust in Jesus, it's much better to be honest than to take the articles of communion uh, without faith in Jesus. But then, of course, there are those of us who want to say yes to Jesus today. And I want to say, well done. Let's pursue Jesus together. Because what we're saying yes to is dependency and reliance on him for our daily sustenance. We're committing to walking with God daily by faith. And we're committing to us keeping going and having him supplying all of our needs. We're saying yes to pursuing a relationship with Jesus, with the living God, not just a loaf of bread. Not to pursuing signs and wonders and the miraculous, but to experience the maker of miracles. And not just enjoy the fruits of what it is he comes to offer. We're saying yes to the one who says in verse 70, have I not chosen you? The God who nourishes us is drawing us close to him and saying to us, even right now, come, come, there's a place for you. Come and find your sustenance in me. Let's pursue this Jesus now, shall we? He is the bread of life and he wants to nourish you today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this vivid illustration of what it is you want to be in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you are, you are extraordinary. You are the Son of God. And yet you come to us in the most ordinary things and tell us you want to be a daily, everyday part of our lives. Father, we want to feed ourselves on you. We want you to nourish us and we want you to equip us for everything that you have in store for us in this life. Please, Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit and speak to us powerfully once again, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.